Hi, this is John Anderson of Yes, and you're listening to Sonic Perspectives. Get up and show me your love. You are the answer to my life center. You really sing up, all for the giving of love, giving of love every This is Scott Medina for Sonic Perspectives. We're thrilled to have a wonderful conversation today with John Anderson uh, talking to us from Boulder, Colorado. Welcome to Colorado, John. Hey, best place in the world today. Indeed. <laughs> I, I have to say I agree. Well, it's been a great year uh, for you with the album and tour for A Thousand Hands. It's been receiving rave reviews from the fans and critics alike, hasn't it? Yeah, it's quite remarkable. The the idea of the album took years and years to create. Um, it's not like it took years and we kept working on it every year. We made the music 30 years ago, most of it, <clears throat> and uh, then found the tapes two years ago and started to listen to them and said it still sounded good. So decided to get it finished with the help of Michael Franklin, a great producer down in Orlando. And there's a lot of musicians in and around Orlando because of Disney World and Universal World and you name it. And he was able to get Chick Corea to play on the album and Billy Cobham and all these wonderful people, Tyler Power, Branch and everything. So it was quite a remarkable event for me. It really is a, an amazing album. Michael Franklin and his core band did an incredible job bringing those old recordings from 30 years ago to, to life in the present moment. Yeah. Yeah, we were able to put uh, Chris Squire and Alan White on right at the beginning 30 years ago. And right at the very end, I was able to get Steve Howe to play on the last track, which was fantastic. Uh, it's a very sweet moment. It's hard to hold back tears in in that moment at the end there, hearing the two of you playing and singing together again. True. I remember how well we wrote great songs together, and it was a wonderful experience. And you never know in this life when you're going to work together again. Exactly. Yeah, of all the guest artists that Michael brought in to play on that album, who were you most excited about who you hadn't played with before? Well, Billy Cobham was a big influence in my life. He uh, it was in the band, the Mavishnu Orchestra, and I saw their first show, uh, which was a remarkable evening, because they opened up, we were on next, and then the Kinks were the headliners. Huh. And uh, to watch Mavishnu Orchestra rehearse was like how to blow people's minds. It was unbelievable music. Yeah, it, it's great to have him on, on this album. And, you know, one of the first songs on the album is Rama Lama, which is a fantastic piece. Uh, is there anything behind the title of that word, Rama Lama, for you? I think it's a, subconsciously uh, the spirit world, um, something to do with things we don't know, the mystery of life, things like that. 
it's always in my mind, you know, why we live and so on and so on. And I've always written about the, the spirituality of life in, in all my songs. It's just the way I, I'm connected to that ideal. And um, it's just one of those wonderful projects. What happens is when I'm at home, I get up, I make breakfast for my wife. We have, always have breakfast in bed, which is wonderful. Mm. And then I'll go and tidy up the kitchen and go to my studio, which is a cottage at the back of the house, and start singing. And what I call it is vocalizationing. It's just that I put on a, a sort of a groove piece of music and I start doing sort of uh, vocalizing, very much like uh, the pigments do in... Uh, in uh, West Africa. Mm. Uh, I, I actually saw a movie about them. They go out every morning foraging and they're singing away, making these beautiful sounds with the voices and things. And uh, so Ramalama came out of that, as did uh, Where Does Music Come From? Because I'd written these about five years ago, and I've written, gosh, maybe a dozen more along the way. It's just a way of exercising the voice in the morning, which is fantastic. On the live shows that you've been doing this past half year, what's what's been the highlight on stage for you? Well, I'm working with eight musicians, and they're very, very uh, special people. Um, they're from they're all from all around the world. We have a, a, a girl who's a violin player, and she's from uh, Taiwan, and uh, a keyboard player from Philippines who plays trombone and harp and all sorts of instruments. So I have this collection of musicians that are able to create a full orchestra at times, and then a full big band sound at times, and, and then doing less songs where we can upgrade the production uh, sound-wise, and they all sing, which again is fantastic. So the world is my oyster at the moment, musically. <laughs> Nice. And with all of that at your fingertips, so to speak, you really like to play with rearranging some of the classic songs, whether it's yours or, or Yes songs, when you go out there on stage. Yeah, yeah, you do, you do it with subtle changes here and there, introduction maybe, and uh, the solo section, you bring in the brass for uh, on, uh, Yours is Not Disgraced, you've got a big guitar section happening, plus a brass section performing it as well. And it opens it all up, and that's the joy of uh, modern music. That uh, you can have a sax player who can actually put uh, the sound into a, a little box, and it makes it sound like four sax saxophones playing at the same time, and you get an incredible sound. Right. Same with the violin; you can create an orchestral sound. So, I feel really very happy about this uh, last six months touring that we've done. And uh, the audiences are loving it, and that's why you do it in the first place. You want to make people enjoy the night out. And, of course, doing Yes songs a little bit different than the norm is, is part of my adventure of life. <laughs> and uh, nobody's complaining yet. <laughs> it seems like uh, Steve and Alan, and I believe Chris also, liked to keep more to performing Yes songs the way they were originally recorded. Did that ever bring up tension? Yeah. Did that bring up tension with you guys when you were playing with them? Well, not really. Um, the last time I went out was with ARW, which is Rick Wakeman and Trevor Raven, when we started the touring and rehearsal. I said, let's add some more uh, musicians and basically what I'm doing now. And they didn't really see that as a good idea. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
I go, okay, don't worry, I'll do it one day, and I'm doing it now. <laughs> um, it was interesting when we were working together, uh, the Union album, and I suggested changing a, an introduction for a song to surprise the people, and he said, no, it's got to be like the record, and I thought, okay, I'll do that when I get, when I get the chance in my, with my own band, you know. And here you are, you've got the chance now. That That's great. I'm doing it now. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing it now, and I enjoy every second of the, the show. And the audiences are loving it like crazy. So right. that's, that's basically why you do this. You know, you, you, you do this to perform and make people happy and, and uh, obviously play all the great yes songs that people want to hear and wonder stories, you know, seeing all the people. Sweet Dreams, even. Yeah. We have an acoustic section in the middle where I play a couple of songs from my first solo album, Elias of Sun Hello. And to me, it's a magical evening. And uh, that's all you need to know. That's right. That's right. Well, and I think with Trevor and Rick, you did get them to do some rearrangement. I remember, you know, Awaken had a really different intro for that. And, and you guys played a little with the arrangements there. Yeah, that was, that was Trevor. He said he had this piece of music. We'll work with it. And I said, well, let's try it. And I thought, why not? You know, you try things out. Yeah. And uh, it gave it a sort of, because uh, one of the things that I really admire about Trevor is uh, the work he does, film scores. Mm -hmm. And I, when we first started, I wanted the whole uh, show to be like a film score. But that would need a, you know, a lot more people. <laughs> right. I was the only one who wanted to do that. <laughs> well, along these lines. That's life. Yeah, uh, along the lines of the thousands of hands, uh, how is the recording of Chapter 2 going? Well, I was working on it just before the tour. I've got four songs that we've got ready, and uh, Michael Franklin uh, was doing some production on it. And then I found another one, which linked together with another one. And when, when I get home, I'll probably send him about ten more. So. <laughs> are, any, um, are there any songs that are old, like uh, from your work with Brian Chadden again from 30 years ago, or are these all new songs now? These are all new songs. Well, they're not, not new songs at all. They're, they're songs that I was writing around that period of time. Uh, the, the idea of chapter two should be maybe a couple more vocalization in projects, which I have when I get home, I'll send them to Michael and see what he does. And, you know, We'll just keep keep uh, moving along with that idea, and uh, maybe find. I, I know I've got a couple of large scale pieces that I've always wanted to get into production, mm. and I'll I'll throw them at Michael and say, sort that out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you referenced uh, your first solo album, Elias of Sunhillow. You know, that's such a beloved album by so many of your fans. And now you're playing some of the songs with this current band. And I know even Royna Stolt is a big fan of that album. Do you think perhaps the time has come to perform the entire album in concert, maybe with this current band that you have? Well, that's a good idea. And I, I actually never thought about that because they... We actually play uh, a large piece at the end of Starship Trooper. We, we get into the end of Starship Trooper, we go into Solid Space, which is from the Elias album, and it really works. Mm -hmm. So maybe next next tour, I want to do Close to the Edge for some reason. I think this band would really have a great time performing it. Mm -hmm. And maybe Ritual. Mm -hmm. 
And then maybe we'll spread it around a couple of tracks from Elias as well. You never know. Yeah. I mean, I could see at some point you doing, opening up the whole second set of the show with Ocean Song and going into the whole thing uh, at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That would be beautiful. Uh, it, yeah, it sounds good. I think we were just testing the waters, doing the acoustic section in the middle to see how it feels and everything. And I noticed that maybe if you've got an audience of a thousand people, there's probably about a hundred people that know Elias Inside Out. And they're very excited about it. So <laughs> it's a delicate, delicate dance to go on stage and perform something that most of the people don't really know that well. Mm. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next year. Cause that's, that's probably the next time we'll go out. Right, and that could be the kind of thing where if you had the time or, or Michael has the time to help put that together, you could do, you know, a, a series of special shows just for that and, and people could, you know, fly in to that location to experience it rather than taking it on tour. Uh, yeah, so actually somebody came up with that idea at the beginning of this tour. We, we started off in Woodstock right. where we had uh, groups of people coming in and spending three days with the band and myself. And we got into a very emotional time because, you know, people wanting to know why this happened, what's happening here, what was this song about. So I did a lot of Q&A things and then we'd have lunch and then do some more Q&A, do a bit of rehearsal and ask them what they thought about it and so on. And it was a very, very interesting idea. Mm. And we might push that along next year, like you say, if, if, if you say, to put together the Elias album with visuals and everything in my mind. So if we were able to do it uh, in, in a one-step con concert and then invite people who know the album to come to that concert, uh, that takes a lot of organization, I'm sure. Sure. But that wouldn't be a bad idea. That's be fun. It'd be a Spectacular, memorable experience for sure. And any updates on the sequel, Zamron? Oopsla, oopsla. I was thinking about that this morning. It's, <laughs> uh, I went actually. I went. Uh, I was we were flying in from uh, Chicago, and I was watching the movie Tolkien, which is really a beautiful movie, all about uh, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings guy, mm -hmm. and how he grew up and uh, how he kept strong in his dreams and so on. And I've, I've been going through that quite a lot. Uh, you know, the idea of uh, sorting out Zamran, I've written it up four times now, and it still doesn't write. It doesn't, um, it doesn't read correctly yet, mm. because uh, it's the formation of the planet and how the ley lines were created and all the sacred sites were created and who did it. It's that kind of a in-depth concept and it's, watching that movie yesterday made me think i've got to get on with it mm. <laughs> i've got to get it finished because i've got four hours of music based on it as well so yeah yes drive people crazy <laughs> yeah you know in the oh, la, la. in the 90s there was a long run when you released a breathtaking number of solo albums in virtually every musical genre uh, what, ins yeah. what inspired you to explore so many different kinds of music at that time? Well, at the beginning of the 80s, I knew that Latin American music was going to become a focus, definitely. And world music was kicking in. And I wanted to be part of that experience. So 
that's what I did. That's why I went to Zam uh, to uh, Toltec. Um, you know, I wanted to do different things, and uh, I even tried a commercial record, which was called in, in the City of Angels. Yes. And that that didn't happen, except it was a big hit in Quebec. <laughs> it was kind of freaked me out because I thought that album has been long gone, didn't work. Phil Collins was ruling the roost of, of uh, popular music in that in those days, and uh, I thought they were really good songs. But uh, Powers of B said no, except for the state of Quebec. Right. Well, you brought some. So, some I'll be ever indebted. I must be going actually in a minute. Thanks for talking about everything. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, John. Um, a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. I wish you well, and look out for the next installment on my musical life. Okay, thank you. Uh, many blessings to you, John. Take care, Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks to John for joining us on this interview. And if you haven't read the accompanying concert review of his show at the Boulder Theater, do check that out as well. We also invite you to join Sonic Perspectives online, uh, join our YouTube channel, and also follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest news, album reviews, and updates. We're going to leave you now with a track from the Thousand Hands album. This is one of the more epic pieces on there. It's called Come Up, and it has truly an all-star cast. It's one of the highlights of the live show as well. And on the studio version, we've got Chick Corea on it, Larry Coriel, Chris Squire, Billy Cobham, Jean-Luc Ponty, Zap Mama. It, the list just goes on and on of amazing performers who join John for this epic piece. So enjoy it. Come up.